0: Good morning, everybody. I'm glad that you are here. Excited that we get to jump back into the book of James. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and find James chapter 1. James chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 19, and today we will make it through the end of chapter 1. So uh, that is where we are headed this morning. Just to get you caught up, uh, remember James is writing to uh, believers who are dispersed throughout the known world, who are suffering suffering. Persecutions and hardships and and last week we learned about uh, temptation and, and where temptation comes from, these distorted desires of our hearts. We learned about the, the leaning into the providence of God and trusting the Lord with all the good gifts that He gives us because every good and perfect gift comes from above from the Father of Lights. For a persecuted people like James's audience, it was an encouraging word, and I hope that it was an encouraging word to you. And James this morning is going to continue by talking to his what he calls beloved brothers with more wisdom. So I hope that you hear in James's language, uh, hopefully language that I want to communicate with my words and my actions, that you are beloved, you are loved, you are cared for, and there are desires that we as leaders in the church have for you. So I hope that through my teaching of God's word this morning, You might receive that and know that as well. And what we're going to see from James this morning is that all James has to give, like all the good that James can give to his beloved brothers, and by extension, all the good that I can give to you or other pastors and leaders can give to you in the life of the church has to be rooted and grounded in the Word of God. If it's not rooted in scripture, if it's not flowing from the truth of God's word, then it is not actually helpful at all. The fact is, we all live in a story. So you live your life, I live my life, we go throughout our days, we experience things, we talk to people, we do stuff. And in that story that we've created in our minds, in a real sense, we are the main character right? The story is being played out through our eyes, from our perspective, with our understanding. And and all of us do this. So you and I, we live through uh, our days, we walk through this world in a story that we're trying to make sense of as we live it out. The things that happen, the events of history, the day-to-day movement of life has us at the center. Things we don't know or things that we don't understand, we don't like. (laughs) And so we try to fill those gaps with whatever we decide is best, or whatever we think makes the most sense. So as we live out our days and try to make sense of our story, we will fill in the gaps with whatever information we have and, and try to do the best that we can. But the reality is we don't have an objective honest, accurate perspective on reality. You and I don't see the whole picture. We don't have all the information. We don't know what's going on even in our own lives, much less in the world. That means that once our eyes are opened to the reality of sin and brokenness, that our eyes have been dimmed We need something or someone to correct our vision. And if we're new creations in Christ, if we are followers of Jesus, if we are dead to the old self and have been born again into a new and living hope, then we need to be taught how to live in a new story. Once we were in darkness, but now we are in the light. So we need someone or something outside of ourselves to help us make sense of what we're seeing. And what we're doing and what's happening around us. So, today we'll think about being hearers and doers of the word. And we'll see some examples here at the end of the passage. But I pray that we will all have clarity on how we can move forward in light of what we hear as hearers and doers. Those two things are massively important. So, we'll see that in James's. Writings this morning. So join with me, James chapter 1, starting in verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness, And rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Let's pray before we go any further. Oh Lord God, you are so, so good and so kind and so generous that you have revealed yourself to us. You have made a way for us to see the world as it really is. You've given us new life through your son, Jesus Christ, and you empower us by your Holy Spirit to grow and to see more clearly. So Lord, I pray that as we think about and study from your word this morning about being hearers and doers of the word, would you find us wherever we are? Some of us in this room, we hear the word and we do the word and we falter and fail, but our desire is to please you and to love you and to glorify you. Some of us in this room are like the man James will talk about who looks at himself in a mirror and goes away from it and completely forgets what he has seen. We hear but do not hear. We see but we do not understand. And because of that, we do not turn so that we can be healed by your grace. So I pray you would find us wherever we are. Let the word of God do its work by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. First, you and I need to hear the word of God. Hear the word of God. This sounds very basic, very elementary, but not something that we should get rid of. Not something that we ever really graduate from. James begins this section by reminding us who he's talking to. And we've already talked about this, right? He's talking to his beloved brothers, his beloved siblings, and he wants them to know this. So when we read the Bible, sometimes we we know what words are being said, but we don't stop to think about why they're being said. Of course, James wants his beloved to know whatever it is that he's about to say because he's writing it down, right? If he doesn't want them to know this, he wouldn't say it. So why is he saying, know this? This is emphasis, right they didn't have like bold and italics back then so this is like his version of saying hey what i'm about to say is really important you need to slow down and chew on what you're about to read or what you're about to hear it's like when jesus teaches and says truly truly i say to you when he says those words we should dial in to listen and what does he want us to know be quick to hear Slow to speak and slow to anger. Now, the first two, I think we're all tracking with, right? Like, be quick to hear and slow to speak. You've probably heard your parents say before something like, you have two ears and one mouth. So you should probably figure out why, right? right? Like, that's there's, there's something instructive about where, how you and I were made. Okay, so be quick to hear, slow to speak, but slow to anger? Where does that come from? Well, I needed to hear this this week as I was preparing this sermon because I was, I was living out some of these temperaments and temptations of being a sinful person. And I, when I was studying James 1 this week, I just kind of got hit in between the eyes by the Holy Spirit. Because when we are not quick to listen, When we are not quick to hear what's being said around us, we will miss the truth when it comes our way. And when we are quick to speak instead of slow to speak, our desires and our preferences will dominate the space of conversation. And we all know what this is like, right? We all know what it's like to be in a conversation where one person is just kind of dominating the conversation with whatever they want to talk about. And it's like you can't even really get a word in. You can't really kind of change the conversation off of what they want to talk about, their desires, their preferences, what they want to be spending their time doing. We do this with our friends, we do this out in the world. And we do this in our own minds. If we are not slow to speak, then our tongues, whether in our mouths or in our brains, will just go and go and go and go. James is going to call that having a tongue that's not bridled in a couple of verses. And if we are hurting or suffering, or aware of need, but not aware of the solution, then the natural response of our heart may be to keep on speaking about those pains, those hurts, those frustrations, and it's going to lead to anger. Because things are not how they ought to be, according to your story. Like, no, no no one of us in our story volunteers for us to walk through pain. Like, oh, that's the next step, and that makes total sense, and that's the, that's the part of the story that, that makes the most sense now. So, yeah, let's go into hardship. No, like, when we want to make sense of our own story, we want everything to be awesome all the time. So when hardship comes, and suffering comes, and persecution comes, much like the original audience of James's letter... If we are not slow to speak, if we are not quick to hear, then the natural response of our heart will lead us to anger. We get frustrated or offended or hurt by others. We get frustrated at ourselves when things don't go the way we think they ought to go or when we don't measure up to the standard that we've made for ourselves. And so our hearts lean into that anger. But James says... The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So because of our sinful hearts, because of this old person, this old man that's kind of warring within us to lead us towards sinfulness and filthiness and rampant wickedness, as James writes, we do not see clearly. We don't see clearly. And so we must put those things away. We must put those things to death. And instead, James says, receive with meekness the implanted word, which is the word of God. So so notice, anger and frustration are natural to us when things don't align with the story of our life. So we need something supernatural to come and correct our understanding and our response. And that requires, James says, Meekness. Meekness. Another word that could be translated from that Greek word is gentleness or humility, lowliness. Students, if you are not regularly submitting your life, your mind, your circumstances, your emotions, your desires, your heart to the word of God with humility, then you are most surely looking at the world with eyes that see but do not see. That requires hearing the word. And that's not just having the Bible on in the background of your life. It's not like being around or adjacent to biblical things. Like I go to church on Sunday. Well, great. You can go to church every Sunday of your life and never really hear the word. I mean, you can hear it, but not hear it. You you can go to family devotions every night of your life and hear your mom and your dad talk about spiritual things and never hear it. It's not just having it on in the background of your life or spending just enough time with eyes on a screen or on a page to check something off of a disciplines list, but a steady diet of reading and ingesting and chewing on and being saturated with and becoming familiar with God's Word. So, three quick ways of implementing how we might hear the Word, how we might be quick to hear. First, listen to good preaching. (laughs) Listen to good preaching. And I mean, listen, not like I'm here and I'm in the room, but I'm like writing down notes and drawing pictures and doing things that take my attention off of. No, I mean like dial in. Like listen to what this man is saying because what he's saying, if it's according to God's word is more important, is more important than the things and the circumstances around you in that moment. So take notes, write questions that arise in your mind. Stay engaged when distractions tempt. You may hear something you don't agree with. There are plenty of times where I take notes in my, I have a note-taking app on my phone. So when I'm listening to preaching, I'm writing down the points, I'm writing down the text, I'm writing down implications of what this person just said. And oh, so if he says that, then that must mean this for me. Like I'm, I'm trying to apply that word as soon as I hear it. There are times where I don't know that I agree with what I just heard. so I write down the quote, and I go, I need to think about this later. Maybe not right now. Remember, Not right now is not the best time for me to concoct this like rebuttal to the preaching. He's wrong and here are 17 reasons why, right? Because now I'm not listening anymore. But, but be engaged when, when God's word is being preached. Really dial in and listen for what he has for you in that moment. Second, read and study God's word in community. and That's what we're doing now, right? We're we're studying James chapter one. And in just a minute, you guys are going to go to your small groups and and kind of discuss further what you've heard and what you've read and what you understand and what questions you might have. And it's what we do in equipping groups on Wednesday nights. But I encourage you to find brothers and sisters that you can get with and just share what you're learning as you read together. And discipleship is a great way for this to happen. So younger students finding older students or maybe college students or young adults even and and, and us getting with those who may be a a couple of steps further along the path of this Christian faith than we are to walk alongside us and say, how do you read God's word? How do you study scripture? How do you memorize the word? And learning how to do that with other people. I I am fully convinced that one of the reasons why we have the church is because God is revealing by His Holy Spirit the truth of His Word to you for the sake of not you. But He's revealing those truths to you for the sake of the other people that you have joined with as the body of Christ. So when you go to that small group or you go to that discipleship meeting and you say, man, I I just couldn't get away from this text where God says this thing and, and it didn't really have so much Uh, immediate application for me, but I just saw this insight. What do do you think about that? And it just nails the person that heard it. Man, that's exactly what I needed to hear because I've been struggling with this over here and I completely missed that in the text. The Spirit of God is alive in the body of Christ to bring the Word of God to His people. So don't miss that you have been given that responsibility and that privilege. You can't do that alone. You have to be in community. But third, make a commitment to spend time with the Lord and His Word on your own. Make a commitment to spend time with the Lord and His Word on your own. Some people call this a quiet time. Some people call this devotions. Some people call it other things. I don't really care what you call it. (laughs) But you find a plan and, and get in the Word and let it speak into your life. Hear it. You won't hear it at all if you are never around it to hear it. So make a commitment to say, what I need is to be a hearer of the word. I need to listen in and and focus my attention and my energy to what God has revealed to his people. But we don't stop there. We keep reading verse 22. James says, but be doers of the word. Now I've changed the word just a little bit for emphasis but the, the the focus that James is putting on right here is obedience. So the second point obey the word of God. Obey the word of God. We are severely allergic to obedience. Like we have a 2-year-old right now. He is currently growing in his sensitivity to this allergy called obeying. Like everything this last week has been a fight. Like, son, let's put on your shoes. No, I don't want to put on my shoes. But you do want to go out. I want to go outside. Yeah, we got to put your shoes on, buddy. I don't want to put on my shoes. It's like, you want what you don't want, but you don't do what you should. It's just a... It's a train wreck with a two-year-old. And we never really get any better, at least not in here. On our own, we are just like that two-year-old in our heart. We hate submitting ourselves to a word that has authority over us. But we just kind of learn, well, that's kind of how you get along and how you, how you get through this life, so I'm going to do it. But I still have this bitterness in my heart to not being the king of my own universe but we cannot really hear the word of God and remain unchanged. James says that in verse 22. If you hear the word and don't do it, you are deceiving yourself. I don't want you to be deceived. I don't want you to live in a fantasy. James says the Bible is like a mirror. It reveals us to ourselves. And that's what we use mirrors for too. So if I look at myself, this actually happened this morning, if I look at myself and see a huge stain on my shirt and then do nothing about it, then what was the point of looking in the mirror? Right? I look in the mirror, you look in a mirror to see things about you that you would otherwise miss. But if you look in the mirror and see something that ought to be addressed and go, eh, whatever, and like just forget about it, then this whole exchange of looking at yourself in the mirror was fruitless. Those who merely read and hear the word, but do not receive it and do it, are like a man who forgets what he looks like. It's worthless. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the word of God and perseveres, who does what it says, he will be blessed, James says, in His doing, not in the future, he will have secured for himself great treasures in heaven. That's true. But James says if he does it and perseveres, he will be blessed in his doing. Right then, obeying the word will bring blessing in the obeying. Because when we obey the word of God, James says, we are obeying what he calls the law of liberty of freedom when we obey god's word we are obeying a law that leads us to freedom now we get freedom all mixed up in our culture we think of freedom as the removal of constraint you and i if we're if we're honest kind of in a general cultural understanding we think of freedom as the removal of limitation, the removal of constraint. But listen to Sam Alberry talk about this idea from this text. He says, in the Bible, real freedom is not the absence of any and every constraint, but rather the presence of the right kind of constraint. Removing a fish from water does not give it more freedom, but Less. It is designed to live in water, not apart from it. Freedom from water is a removal of constraint, but it is also for a fish a complete misunderstanding of what freedom really is. Our own true freedom is only found when we are in the environment which we were designed to flourish in. And that is obedience to God's word. You hear his point? His point is that you and I were made to live in light of God's good commands. And all of Scripture demands a kind of response from us. Like all of Scripture, when you read the Bible, it demands something from you. So maybe over time, by God's grace, we will all come to see that hearing and doing God's word is a life of blessing of seeing and perceiving what God is doing with his people in his world for his glory and their good. Maybe for you this morning, the demand of scripture that it puts on you is to repent of sin. Maybe you have something in mind or in your heart that you realize I have not dealt with. Or maybe it's to believe a certain truth. Maybe you haven't been thinking about something and something true about God and his word has been brought before you. You need to believe it. Hold it, abide in it. Or maybe it's to put something into practice. Lord, I know that I need to be doing these things. You've called me to do this or that or the other thing. Help me to do it. Or maybe the application is the response that it demands from you is to worship. It's not just to really like do much of anything, except it's just to behold God. Or maybe it's to exchange a false idea with a correct one. Lord, I've been thinking this, but you're showing me through your word. That's wrong. This is the right way. The word is living and active. And as a mirror, it reads us back to ourselves as we really are. We're going to see two quick examples of this, and then we're off to discuss. Okay, two more verses. Verse 26. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. All right, so James is kind to give his audience and us some examples of hearing and doing. Some examples of hearing the word, doing the word, hearing the word, and obeying the word. So we don't need to fly through this incredibly sobering point in verse 26, especially for us as Teenagers who are learning how to constrain our tongues because our brains are still developing. You need to listen to what James is saying. If you think you're religious or faithful, but you cannot control your tongue, you are deceiving your own heart and your religion is worthless. Like James is very clear here. This isn't like, ah, I wonder what he means. No, he's saying, if you say to the world and to yourself, I'm religious, I'm faithful, and out of your mouth comes venom, then James says, I have no reason to believe that your faithfulness is legitimate at all. James is saying, if your mouth gets you in trouble or lashes out in wickedness, or spews venom on others, then you should be very, very cautious and careful. Because our tongues produce fruit. And there is good fruit, and there is bad fruit. And a person who hears the word, but does not do it, does not bridle his tongue, does not control her tongue. Her words are sharp or cutting or offensive or hurtful or vicious or unwholesome or foolish, and they do not honor the Lord. And stop for a moment and think about how you talk. Think about what you say. Think about who you speak to. Think about what you say in private. Think about what you say about others when they're not around. Think about what you don't say when you should. Your lack of words towards others may also be the result of an unbridled tongue. Bridling the mouth of a horse is so that you can control both when it goes and when it stops. That's a warning for all of us. So that when Paul says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, he means it. When James says, if your tongue is unbridled, then your religion is worthless, he means it. That's not to say that you and I won't falter and fail and say the wrong thing or not speak up when we should. But I'm just concerned that if you have a pattern in your life that has to do with sinfulness coming out of your mouth, then you should not delay to address it. This is not a, oh, I'll get to that later kind of situation. This is like James saying, I can't feel the pulse. It's not like, He doesn't look so good. It's you do something about it now. All right, that's the negative example. That's the warning. But what about the positive? What does it look like to really be a doer of the word? We've seen what it doesn't look like. Verse 27, what does it look like? This is pure and undefiled religion before the Father, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, to keep oneself unstained from the world. That is to care for the lowly and to pursue holiness. You want to know what it looks like to be a doer of the word, James says? Do you care for the lowly and do you pursue holiness? Widows and orphans in James' day were largely unable to find any kind of gainful employment. There was no welfare system of aid by the state. And so they were left to fend for themselves. And Christians, therefore, were to be known as those who cared for the hurting and the broken, for the poor and the needy, much of whom were Christians themselves. And they also recognize that their citizenship is in heaven, that the world has a way of doing things, but in the end, it only stains and distorts what God commands. So we pursue holiness as we practice doing whatever the word tells us to do. All this should drive us somewhere. And my concern is that it might be driving you in the wrong direction if you're not careful. What this should not lead you to, what this should not drive you to is, man, here are all the things I need to do better. Now, I hope that you've heard in all of what James is saying, my vision is broken. My mouth is unbridled. My heart is not for the lowly. I I am not what James is calling me to be. So what does that mean? Not that I need to try harder. It should drive us to the gospel. It should drive us to the truth that when we fall short, we remember that Jesus was faithful. That when we speak ill words, we remember that he always controlled his tongue. When we struggle with sinful anger and sinful responses and we're quick to speak and slow to hear, Jesus was slow to anger and abounds in steadfast love. So maybe the response, maybe the application for each of us is this. God, help me to hear your word. Help me to do your word. Help me to believe that your ways really are good, better than any way I can make for myself. Help me to control what I say. Help me to know how I might display your heart, both in my character and in my service. But most of all, if I don't see anything clearly, help me to see Jesus. Help me to see the good news that he offers me. Help me to to see the love and the life that he offers to folks like me who are broken and sinful and angry and bitter and, and speak ill words and don't pursue holiness and don't care for the lowly. Help me to see that his offer of life and hope and love and healing and salvation is for exactly the kind of person that I am. Help me to believe this gospel.